0: All right. I've got a very exciting new type of podcast episode style called Two for Two, Two for Two, where we invite awesome guests onto the pod to share two social innovation ideas, ideas that will make the world better. And I exchange two ideas that I have. We have found folks that have, you know, that journal where they write in and create tons of ideas. And what was getting at me is that there's a lot of great stuff being left on the cutting room floor. And by the way, if you are the type of person creating ideas for social impact, you're probably not gonna be like the most territorial over them. Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. So pleased when JJ By's co-founder of Visceral, reached out to be our first contestant guest on the episode, because we're going to be scoring these ideas too uh, against a framework that we'll introduce later. But Jay, give us a quick intro: who you are, what Visceral is.
1: Thanks very much. Uh, so I am Jay Boz, co-founder of Visceral. We are a B Corp certified creative agency. So essentially, we build brands and websites, but we work exclusively with organizations focused on some sort of social good. So a lot of nonprofits, foundations other social enterprises and B Corps, uh, anyone who's trying to make the world better, we're trying to help you leverage uh, modern communications to do it.
0: Oh, perfect creative guest to to be up for it. So we will be hearing Jay's first idea and uh, talking through it for, you know, five to 10 minutes, seeing how it goes, giving him a final score and letting you know how he would actually start at the first steps, the MVP uh, in, the, in the end of this, of what that would look like. The framework we'll be talking about and thinking about, and I want you thinking about as you hear this idea and sort of kick the tires on your own ideas is the impact, you know, how's the world different? Cause this idea would be in it. What is the viability, the financial viability of this thing? Do we have to, uh, you know, raise funds? Does it have a revenue generation element in it? And then finally, what is the depth versus breadth scalability of this, uh, of this idea? Alrighty, Jay, kick us off. What's the first idea?
1: Okay. So I think this is a, a pretty dead simple idea. Uh, I hope anyways, we're going to see. Uh, but when I bought my new, uh, pixel phone a couple years ago, uh, the first thing you do is, you know, you customize it. And at the time, uh, animated wallpapers were the, the cool new thing. So I went to the app store and I, I, I bought one, I think it was about $1.99. Uh, it was this cool swirling galaxy animation. Uh, I'm a big space nerd, so that was exciting to me. And I had the thought, uh, what if I buying this, you know, just little wallpaper thing, a portion of that money could go to the planetary society, this organization that, uh, uh, I'm, a I'm a member of for years, I frequently donate to. And then I started thinking, well, we work with a lot of nonprofits. Wouldn't that be something that maybe other nonprofits would be interested in? So if you bought a cool Roaring Lion wallpaper, some of that money could go to the Wildlife Conservation Network. If you bought the animated beach, tide rolling in, that money could go to the Surfrider Foundation, something like that. So pretty simple, pretty easy. Um, but we'd be doing something that would funnel money to organizations that are doing something that aligns with um, the type of thing that we're interested in.
0: I love this. So some questions first, you know, it seems like this is a, a marketplace. So you have to enter the marketplace or can you actually download wallpapers just directly to your phone if you have the the right know-how to, to click a link and pull something on your phone?
1: Uh, so on a on an Android phone, you can download just any wallpaper. It might be a little bit different on an iPhone, but there are currently thousands of wallpapers in both the uh, the app store on the iPhone and the, the Android store. So there's there's already stuff that's out there that exists. I think we'd tap into an existing market to basically do something that people are already doing, which is give them a way to do it better.
0: so you would hope to get listed in this marketplace and also maybe have a separate distribution avenue.
1: yeah, I think mean, you know um you have a website to promote it, obviously, and I think one of the good things about it is that for the nonprofits that you'd partner with it's sort of a win-win for them there's no upfront investment for for them you know they can they probably already have assets you know photos and videos that they could easily be turned into to wallpapers um and so there's a little or no barrier to entry for them and then if it gets acceptance and downloads is basically just funneling money directly back to them. So I think it'd be pretty easy to sell, to get nonprofits to buy into it, and also to get them to help do some of the promotion and marketing for it.
0: Uh, I love this. So let's talk about the impact of this. What is the upside? Why is the world a little different as this would exist? What do you say?
1: Uh, essentially, just funneling money, funding money to good causes, right? And I think there's there's a big appetite for people that want to to make change, to affect change, to to help, to support, to be on the on the right side of the line. But we also live in a world where where everyone's busy, everyone's strapped for time and strapped for cash. So it's tough to always give back. And I think people also sort of feel that, you know, if they can't make a thousand dollar donation, they they can't make a difference. But, you know, little gestures like this can add up in a really big and positive way. So if you look at some of the the, the sort of just wallpapers that are in the app store now, some of them have millions of downloads, you know, so if we can get a couple million people to, to pay for something that's 99 cents. Right, you to have to split some of that with Apple or Google because they'll take a percentage, and some of that could be funneled back into the company that makes the app. But you know, if you split it one third, one third, one third, one third for Apple and Google, one third for the company, and one third for the nonprofits, you know, that's still three hundred thousand dollars you could raise off just selling you know a ninety-nine cent app in the App Store.
0: I kind of have to admit, I thought this was so cheesy and like freaking like two thousand one type until I really. Also, started to parse through it and sort of tapping into these large revenue streams. You forget, like, we think that's like so insignificant, You're know, like a freaking wallpaper, really. But one piece of impact that I think you lost in the narrative here is one of attention. When you turn on your phone, what are you going to see? You're going to see that, you know, tiger being saved because it's helping world animal protection or whoever, whoever it may be. You're actually. Creating a bit of an attention reminder, bringing that person back into a subtle familiarity to your organization every time they turn on the phone, every time they turn on the phone. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a one and done. There could be a wallpaper of the quarter, of the month, of the year, whatever it may be, that you bring people along a narrative journey via wallpaper. I also think eh, I, I would have hated this idea if you were just saying like, yeah, shove it into a marketplace where you're competing against a billion other things. Like that is, you know, where good things go to die and get lost right but if you're able to create a couple other avenues and you kind of hinted at it like your own marketplace for social impact wallpaper pieces right this is like hey you can go shop here for good for you know silly things you want to rotate on your screen and almost more importantly it can be a fun little value add piece, a little digital goodie that a nonprofit could create a little sales page around, give it away for free, ask for people to donate on the back end, or just straight up just sell it as a fun thing, being like, hey, share this around. It'll you know remind you of this um, this work we do. And it's especially good for organizations with tremendous visual assets. And like obviously we gravitate toward animals because they have tremendous visual assets. All right. So strong points for me on that. I think the impact here has, um, a lot of upside. Talk to me about the financial viability of this. You know, how much does it take to, you know, on the individual to create, uh, this type of company? What does that look like?
1: So the good thing about this, I think is it's, it's a relatively simple app to develop. You know, there's, app development can get pretty complicated as well as marketing and promotion and building a brand and a company around something like this. But for this, I think, it's relatively simple in terms of the programming that you'd need to do. So you can hire someone to do the programming for you. I think minimal investment or, you know, for people that are already like good coders, good designers that like are looking for business ideas to take and run, you know, you could probably, you know, bang this out in a couple of weeks if you're, if you're able to write apps yourself. And so I think that the financial barrier here is pretty low. And I think the potential upside, like you really only need, you know, um, a handful of people to staff this really, or maybe just a partner with a small agency that could help you with some of the branding and marketing and that kind of stuff, you know, and like I said, getting the the nonprofits that you partner with to do some of the promotion for you, that's typically a big portion of your cost, right? Like either buying social media ads or doing traditional marketing, things like that. So if you have a, a partnership with 50 different nonprofits, you know, and they're all pushing it out on their social and their website and their channels, you know, that's taking a lot of that upfront cost sort of off your plate, I think. So,
0: There's a revenue model for the company, right? You have, you start this up, it's a B Corp or, you know, a social good entity. And what you're doing here is also, you're taking a cut of any wallpaper sales as, as part of that little, like whose hand is in the till for, we generated this image for you. Now the promotion piece gets a little tricky here because you made a classic assumption that I love to poop on, which is that nonprofits are just like itching to push out your stuff to their audience, even if it benefits them. This was like this giant rise of affiliate marketing that I saw also for like nonprofits, Amazon smile, all these pieces. And like the number of companies that came, you know, sort of to us to whole whale to say like, look, we got this great idea. And like all the charity does is like, once they have this link, they just have to send all of their people to it. They just send all their customers to, to this page and like, we'll give them points on it. Why wouldn't they do it? And they're like, so in the box when they think about that particular distribution point. That they don't realize that, like, it's the last thing on earth a nonprofit's going to do. Their list and their communication uh, cadence and availability is their most precious asset, and they're not about to throw that around for just anything. I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but it is the number one killer in terms of a marketing assumption um, that I push on there. But the thing that's would, make, right? The thing would make money if if people found it.
1: Yeah, that's that's the challenge with all these ideas, right? If you can get enough sort of marketplace acceptance and traction on it then I think that it becomes a much easier sell you know it's always one of those if you can go to a nonprofit and say hey we've raised I don't know two hundred thousand dollars for this other nonprofit and we've got proof that this works that people are interested and in, people download it, then it's an easy sale but the, the beginning of it I think that's that the marquee the customer piece.
0: you don't start with a marketplace you start with a marquee customer okay uh, talked about a breadth scalability this seems like a breath play it's fairly scalable you create once produce in, and let it run everywhere right
1: yeah, exactly. What you said on the screen, they're reminded of it. They can, you know, you can push notification and say, hey, we've got this new wallpaper for this other organization that you might want to support, you know, just, you, you know, and the good thing about mobile apps and things like this too, you just, you know, you pay with your fingerprint. There's no real uh, barrier there. You don't have to go to a website and put in a credit card, things like that. It's really simple, really easy, really cost effective for people. You know, if they get a, like a little dopamine hit because they feel good about supporting something and they get some cool new widget on their phone, you know, easy peasy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Alrighty, um, talk to me about how you would take the very, very first step or build an MVP of this and what kind of numbers we'd be talking about.
1: So for me, if if I had time, I would probably build it because my, my background is actually in programming and development. So uh, I would start to map out what the, the UI for this would look like and what a prototype would look like to build something like this out. If you didn't have programming background, I think you're, you're reaching out to someone that can do that for you to try to create a minimum version of this. And so you'd need to raise... Probably, my gut says probably twenty to $30,000 for building a working version of this that you could then roll out.
0: Yeah, I'd probably hack at it a little bit more tighter with the actual end product. I would say, how do I create 10 wallpapers that are just dynamite for, you know, a given couple nonprofits and just be like, hey, here's a direct sale and how to like figure out the, the cleanest way to get that direct sale and see if people would even do it in super users and um, actually see what the, the feedback was. Uh, on, on the product because I think it wins based on the quality of the the image there. But um, I agree. Alrighty. So final scores here. It's like a high startup cost. One out of ten. Alright, what would you give this idea? One out of ten. We can go back. What would I
1: give for startup cost?
0: Now I'm going to give you. A, I'm just a raw score out of ten. I'm going to give you a seven and a half okay. on this. I like the I like the impact. The viability scares me because of the marketing angle. I think it's um, always tough to get the nonprofit sale, and I think that's where it is. And so either you have to generate the marketplace that is like organically finding it, and you're fighting in a you know market a bunch of people that are armed with full revenue from their wallpapers. Um, I think it's easier, easy enough to start up, but the app also scares me. So I'm actually gonna push you to a seven. All right, what score do you give yourself? And it's time to feed the whales with a quick ad about Whole Whale University. This is our best online content packaged in courses. We're talking SEO, content marketing, Google ad grants, cybersecurity, and tons of webinars and other templates for you to use. You can buy them individually or as an annual subscription. Uh, We really put our best work in here. And if you're interested in the topics in this podcast that we tend to cover, we go a mile deep with these courses. That's wholewhale.com slash university?
1: What could I give myself? Oh man. Um, I was seven and a half. I think it's, it's, I've got a lot of ideas like this and I'm excited to hear yours too. And this one to me is sort of the one that stuck in my head the longest because I think it's relatively easy, not easy, but um, easier to pull off than some of the, the bigger ideas that I have that I think would require a lot more institutional investment and things like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. So you gave yourself seven and a half. All right. So for those of you wondering why I'm scoring one, I'm super competitive. I grew up in a household of, you know, I'm one of nine kids and growing up, we played games constantly. So in the end of this, we're going to tally up our scores and Jay and I have agreed uh, to donate to fellow uh, nonprofits. I think I'm going to go uh, and say, because we're going to talk about uh, games and stuff like that. I may uh, say games for change would be a fun one. So Jay, if you happen to lose to me in points, Keeping in mind, the game may be rigged because it's my game. Uh, I would like you to make a donation to them.
1: Fair enough. Uh, if I end up winning this, which seems unlikely since, you know, you're the, you're the boss <laughs> here, uh, I would like you to make a donation to Frontline Foods, which is uh, an organization that uh, pits, uh, supports local restaurants and has them create uh, and package food to deliver to uh, frontline healthcare workers.
0: All righty. So I'm going to do something very dangerous, which is switch my idea that I put, actually, I'll stay, I'll stay, I'll stay pat. I'll stay pat with this. All right. So uh, the thought here is that audio branding is massive and unrecognized by the nonprofit sector like if you go back in the day like you were a jingle dominated market because of the radio scene in the 20s right you're thinking of those like famous slogans that came out we had a whole podcast on these and right now like the only notable like really big ticket sounds out there that brand you and make you think of a charity or you know think of the salvation army ringing a bell or god help us the 1-800 cars for kids (laughs) right? I'm not going to sing it because it's already in your head. The point is a volunteer came up with that freaking thing in a basement. Now think about that. They then poured tons of ad dollars behind it. Now we're in a renaissance of podcasting, of Spotify, of audio branding, of, hey, you know, you know, Alexa or, hey, Google, sorry, I just set off all all your devices, Um, play the whole Whale podcast. Hey, Alexa, play the whole Whale podcast. (laughs) The point is, we're going to be in an audio-first medium moving forward for many different interactions, and a lot of nonprofits could use a lot of audio branding. Now, you can look out there for jingle services; you can find stuff on Fiverr. But the nuanced thing about nonprofits that we originally realized with Whole Whale is that there's a translation layer missing. What does that mean? Well, anyone can find a you know a development or an analytics shop, but the question is, how do you do it with the mindset of? internal stakeholder knowledge of what the nonprofit landscape needs. Now, how do they even know where to put this stuff. So there's a matchmaking service, an agency ready to be made that facilitates either like volunteer generated and how to package, you know, what you actually need as an audio asset. Do you need something as an intro outro for your podcast? Do you need something as an intro outro for consistent use in your YouTube videos so that you have a consistent flow and use rather than just haunting around on the generic, everyone has the same type of music thing, right? That's not helping you. So you have spent so much time, and Jay, you know this, so much time on your image, that logo, those colors, the font, and you've spent zero on your audio. It blows my mind. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills sometimes with this. So that's the thought. It's a uh, potential agency marketplace play where you are educating the audience, making a matchmaking service, um, and then having options to say, Um, here's how you DIY, and here's how we could help you do it or facilitate your volunteers to do it. So I think there's just so much here. It's not a fully crafted idea, but something will exist here. It absolutely will. And you be like, oh, that was obvious. So I like ideas that are like, after the fact, you're like, yeah, obviously someone's going to create that. All right, Jay, impact. What do we think? Or questions about the actual idea?
1: So first off, I, I like the idea a lot. I think you're correct. There's a there's a missed opportunity here. Um, people spend a lot of money on branding, visual identity, messaging, all that, and then if you do anything with audio at all, it's an afterthought. And your options are either, you know, the the five dollar you know sound clip that you buy from Audio Jungle, which is wildly generic, or you pay for something completely custom, uh, which can be prohibitively expensive. So I think there is a middle ground there. Um, I'm curious to know um, how that would work for the content creators. So when you talk about things like Fiverr or 99 designs, these platforms that exist that I think on one hand are really good because they can give nonprofits and social enterprises a, a cost-effective way into getting good design, whether it's audio or, or logos or, or whatever it is. But on the other hand, I fear that some of that, you know, hurts the the design industry as well by sort of commoditizing some of that stuff. It's really tough for some designers or I'm assuming like audio engineers to, to make money when the, the cost for some of these things is so low. So I'm curious how you would see the revenue model working both for the people who sign up to purchase an audio jingle and for the, the marketplace, for the, the creators that are producing them.
0: I think the creator point is huge. You know, we have, um, you know, Greg Thomas was a, a guy on our team and like he hustles, right? He doesn't make money unless people pay for things. So like the assumption that you get this stuff for free um, is always bad, right? If you pay, you're going to get a $10 jingle. Do you want that? So one I think coming back to it is like, you start with this education layer, the education layer brings the audience to you. Right. So I always look at these two sided marketplaces very carefully. Right. Cause I think on the side of like, if you have money and if you've trained an audience, right, you've trained them to know what they're ready to purchase and how, and what to look for. Then on the buy side, right, we can get the creators in the door to be like, all right, let's go through and hand select people that have the highest value, highest ratings and rankings on, Um, on a fiver pieces like that because letting somebody run around a candy store rarely ends up good right there is a project management layer there it is an unknown environment it's not totally clear what you even want as an audio asset even even as i say it you're like yeah but we don't do anything with audio until i started mentioning the freaking youtube the podcast audio pieces the fact that by the way every single platform instagram stories tiktok every single challenger are all going to be music based you're gonna need some assets so, uh, in that translation layer, I would bring the education first, go out large, and then um, I would go hand select and just have a, an application pool be like, hey, we have these trusted lists over here uh, of vendors that we can we can match you with based on your budget and your needs and what you're looking for. So, um, not totally clear, but that's how I would approach it.
1: I like that. I think that's good. I think that the main piece for me is, you know, we're a B Corp whole whales of B Corp, you know, we want to make sure that the, that the workers, the people that are doing the work are, you know, also properly compensated, you know, we're taking care of the people that are, that are doing the hard, you know, effort, the hard work to, to make these things. So I think as long as that's baked into it, uh, so that the creators um, aren't taking a hit on it, then then I like the idea. Yeah, I,
0: I love that you're bringing that into play. Um, and, and too often, I think, we commoditize things especially in the name of name of the cause, but that doesn't look at the whole ecosystem it plays in all right i don't want to take up too much time on this so impact I think this is tough because it is narrow it's narrow in scope um, with regard to like you can help one nonprofit at a time and your matchmaking going one by one that's that's a tough one i can't get around that so i don't get great scores there viability I think you know this is you know um, an agency model with options for layering in between the like high ticket cost and maybe um other pieces in there, but it, it will it would make money if you got the audience in the door and educated. I believe, and then breadth and scalability. I think I already spoke to that. So MVP, we discussed how I would start it. Is I would try to pitch it. I'd create a landing page. Um, I'd put together the educational resources and like the six ways that your nonprofit should be using audio, uh, and then try to try to get a customer, and then satisfy that customer. Much easier if you yourself are a sound engineer, but I here's the piece. Here's the piece that will stop a lot of people. A lot of sound engineers think with the eye perspective that like, I'm just going to generate business for me. You're never going to grow that to scale if it's just you creating all the assets. So you kind of be, have to be a little unselfish about this and let other people endure for different types of genres and types to to really grow and expand it um, to get past the dark. So Jay, any other points on this before you give me a score?
1: Yeah, I really like it. I think, there's a, there's a niche there that's not being served currently. I think you're, you're spot on that. So many organizations, nonprofits especially are just missing the mark on how they can improve their, their social, their video with, with good audio assets. So I really do think there's a market for it. I think like anything, like we just talked about, it's, you know, it's tough to initially get out there, but if you can start with a couple really good clients, really good case studies. then I think, yeah, I think it's viable. So I'm going to, i'll I'll give you i'll give you a seven on that one nice all right yeah seven so seven points. i'm gonna give myself
0: an eight so we're tied
1: <laughs> <laughs> one for one I love it righty uh next up jay what do you got idea okay so uh this was gonna be a harder one but Uh, I want to talk about mobile gaming for a little bit because mobile gaming is a massive industry. Um, By one TechCrunch article uh, I read recently, it's uh, $150 billion of that. Uh, $150 billion gaming in general, um, like 50% of that coming from mobile games. There is massive amounts of money being made. And there are single platforms like um, Angry Birds, Candy Crush, Clash of Clans, games like that that generate hundreds of millions, sometimes billions of dollars you know, they spawn movie franchises and things like that. So if there's a way to tap into that marketplace, that industry, and to create a social enterprise version of that. So some sort of game that um, would allow you to, to do something fun that's, um, that's addictive is like some of these mobile games are. And most of these mobile games operate on the premise that it's free to play, but you can only play so long or do so many things per day, and then you have to wait, or you can pay real money for additional plays or real money for virtual objects, you know, so planting virtual trees in your SimCity, things like that. So if there are ways to harness that and get people to pay real money for virtual objects and then funnel that money to uh, organizations like the Arbor Day Foundation to plant actual trees with that, or an organization like Grid Alternatives or even something like TerraPass for carbon offsets, things like that, to channel that money uh, into something positive. Uh, I do think that the barrier for entry on this one is much more difficult. It's a very crowded marketplace, since for every Candy Crush, there's about a thousand puzzle games that you've never heard of. So it would be tough to break into that marketplace, but if you could do it and do it in a way, there is a potential huge upside for hundreds of millions of dollars to be funneled towards good causes
0: so just to reiterate this is a games for good platform where you could you know build a city or mimic other successful games and then the rider on that is that in-app purchases or purchase of the app goes toward the charity correct yeah the the impact i think you're talking about here is a classic tam uh assumption right total addressable market you're like oh my gosh this thing is huge. There's tons of money in it. And so all we have to do is just get a couple percentage points of it and we'll get tons of money. The the secret here is the fact that, like, you know, you're talking about a billion types of apps, right? Like in the store, it's a fight and it's a bare knuckle brawl to, to be in there. And then when you do that with, you know, kind of one arm behind your back, with in an essence, you know, saying like half of our revenue will go to a nonprofit, you're now fighting with Half the available resources of the same competitors that are like cranking these things out um, of these chop shops to to take advantage of that low hanging fruit. So it's like a winner take all marketplace on top of a very fierce long tail to get recognized in the store. So what I see here as, as impact is maybe not all that. Maybe you see with your total addressable market assumption.
1: Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think there's a there's a potential huge impact, but. You're right it's extremely difficult I think to get traction on something like this and so the the barrier to entry is, is high like if you could if it worked I think you could be wildly successful and make a ton of money but the chances of it working I think there's there's a lot of hurdles I mean you specifically mentioned you know, the mobile gaming industry is fraught with corruption and misogyny and just, you know, people work, you know, 14, 15 hour days for low pay and things like that. So it's it's really difficult because you'd have to approach it. I think we want to approach any of these with a B Corp model, right? To make sure that we're taking care of the staff members and that they're adequately paid and not burn out and things like that. I think the only, not the only, but the real, I think, positive thing for this is I haven't seen a lot of stuff like this yet. So if you could come out with a really fun, addicting game that had this baked into it, I think, and again, there, there's costs associated with this, but getting you know media and press around it to be like, hey, this is something that you know, we're tapping into this market. I, I always go back to like the, the people that I talk to. There is such an appetite for people that want to do positive things and be supportive of you know. Look at the B Corp movement in general. You know, like the the more the longer we've gone on, the more companies we've had, the more traction we've gotten, the more press we've gotten, the more people are aware and, and, and interested in supporting organizations that are doing something positive. So if you could take something that they're already doing, playing dumb games on their phone, and and put something like this in front of them, I think it would be a little bit easier to get traction than just, you know, a random game that's the same as 50 other games that are already in the marketplace. But it's still, a, it's a big hurdle to clear.
0: Yeah, so... I have a long and fraught history with with gaming and different angles on this because I have been involved in building them. I've been involved in marketing them. I've been involved in sunsetting them um, by the the gross. Uh, One of the reasons I actually chose Games for Change, a great organization helping frame this type of narrative of how we can use gaming for good. I mean, they had a real uh, renaissance a number of years back. But still, I think the other mindset, and then you kind of originally pitched too, is it Um, certainly the mindless games of clicky, clicky for things, you know, can I slice this fruit with this piece, but actually introducing narratives and actual behavior change that is in alignment with the nonprofit, meaning that if you are, you know, supporting a group like the Jed Foundation that deals with, uh, you know, issues of depression, how do you create the actual gameplay that uh, generates dopamine and good feelings and education around that topic while also being addicting, like it's it is so challenging to thread that needle, but that would be where you know it gets me excited. And also I've seen so many nonprofits invest a hundred, $200,000 to generate these like perfect apps and then sort of like realize that they then have to market it. If it's not fun, people won't go after it. The whole point of playing a mindless game is that it's mindless. I don't wanna be reminded about cancer. I don't wanna be reminded of like freaking Amazon's burning. I want to like crush some candy, man. So in this, I also need to burst your bubble a little bit. We did find in my research because I was like, I felt like this existed. There's a group that reached out to me. So if you are thinking about this idea, take a look at this group, pifsquared.com. And so what they're doing is they have a, a, like a one-stop shop for a mobile app that inside of that has like silly things like go kill zombies and stuff like that. And they're marketing it with a type of uh, gameathons, right? So they, they'll partner and be like, hey, schedule a gameathon, send all your people to do this app and that money will go back to you. So like, that's the like hesitation of like, I don't think there's a lot of nonprofits itching to send their people to do a thing that's like go kill zombies, but they've got an upcoming one that's like, you know, stop the zombie apocalypse uh, to, to help veterans. So like, that's an interesting one. So uh, what are your thoughts on the sort of impact and, and viability with those, uh, with, the, with those George pooping on your idea elements?
1: Yes, I still think the impact is potentially high, but the viability is, is low. It sort of balances out in the middle for me. I think, you know, I, I think it's an idea that's, that warrants more discussion. You know, I think there there's possibility there, but I, acknowledge, I mean, you'd have to have a lot of of resources to get it started. You know, it's it's significantly complicated to de- design and develop a mobile app and then market it, you know, all the things you just mentioned. So I think there's still a lot of potential there, but the the viability of it is... It's a daunting a daunting project yeah
0: yeah I um, agree so uh, in terms of MVP what would be your approach how would you test this um, or get get started if someone's thinking about like all right I want to take a shot at this
1: it's um, a good question I think we you know I put together just a quick sort of paper prototype of like what the game would look like maybe reach out to some potential uh, partners get gaming companies that are already, do some research into gaming companies that are producing really addictive, high quality, high revenue, high profit margin games, seeing if anyone of them might be interested in partnering, reaching out to some nonprofits to seeing if they would be interested in partnering as well. I think it's one of those, if you're going to spin up a company to do it yourself, it's going to be a ton of work. So I, you know, hiring a bunch of people that can create a mobile game, I, I think it'd have to be something where you build a partnership with someone who's already Really good at producing mobile games and wants to, you know, wants to do something positive with the, the work that they have and the team that they have.
0: Yeah, I, I think this falls under the don't get crushed by a feature uh, category where I, I see this more as like a blizzard.org initiative where they spin up a foundation and are like, all right, that part of the game, that part of the initiative goes toward uh, good and, and like ride that and like pitch myself as like, all right, I'm going to go work here and I'm going to like work on this project giving one developer 10% time to, to do this piece. Um, and by the way, having a foundation element is, it can be a really powerful asset as well. righty, uh, I'm going to give you a four and a half on this one. I don't like it. You can pull up your score with a high score as well though.
1: No, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm going to give it a five and a half. Just so if five is dead average, I think there's slightly more than that. There's potential there, but, uh, but I fully acknowledge that there's, it's, it would be difficult to pull off. But if you could do it, I think, man, there's a huge market there. Yeah, I would personally, I would, I would be all about that kind of thing. I would, I would spend all my time clicking. Yeah, well, clicking you should check out
0: the PIF things. squared because I think you know they, they, they've taken a shot on goal with this thing. I'm going to play with it too. We may have them on the podcast actually if they um, turn out to be legitimate. I'm going to do my homework
1: first. Um, yeah, definitely. That sounds really cool. I'm, I'm, interested to check that out.
0: Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, so this is a kind of piggyback because I don't hate at all I don't mean to like ignore the total addressable market of gaming because it is massive and what's more it's raising millions of dollars We've had um, you know folks from various gaming platforms uh, on talking about how you can raise funds uh, for nonprofits through gaming uh, and that type of experience so uh, this is actually looking at an eSports market. And saying, okay, eSports is uh, ridiculous in terms of size. And by the way, it can be done socially distanced. I think it's going to have an absolute boom on top of what it's already doing. So with regard to the eSports market, what happens if you're not familiar, is Like, there's all these teams that are created around each individual game. And these players are becoming individual entities and mini influencers or large influencers people like dr lupo who you may not know for a hole in the wall but has raised literally millions of dollars for like saint jude by like shooting bad guys on Fortnite. so there are these layers there's a layer across but i think in the same way that pro basketball nfl and various folks have like championed a cause like this is the infancy of that and by the way it's a wider pool and by the way I think there's an opportunity for esports in general to have and frame if now here's the, here's the game part of the you creating either the matchmaking the marketplace or the agency piece in this field, right? So a little unshapen, but essentially what happens if you're watching one of these events, imagine if um, you know, you're, you're watching a, a basketball game and you're saying, all right, LeBron James, I'm going to donate hundred dollars to your nonprofit. If you only shoot lefty for the next minute, you can have in-game activities And even just taunt. So you can have a message go up on the side that do things that interact with the game. And they kind of already have this in various levels. But as it becomes more formalized, I think there's an opportunity for an official nonprofit even to be created to sort of organize around that, create an overall foundation and a structure for how that happens. Because right now it's happening one off. And unfortunately, what it is, is individual gamers are sort of going to the loudest voice in the room. Rather than really thinking about how they distribute and and sponsor causes that um, have been vetted that uh, are you know sort of representative of the causes that even that the audience would be paying attention to, rather than a sort of winner take all. Love St. Jude's; it's incredible. But you know, there's a large uh, opportunity here to diversify that opportunity to more nonprofits to to bring those mini influencers into a marketplace and sort of maybe govern it with uh either a large foundation that would step in to say all right this is the you know the rules of the road and how we like apply match make," or an agency that like is much more of a like an influencer style marketing agency. It's like hey here's what we're gonna do we're gonna find you like your people we're gonna pitch them we're gonna bring them in the fold and then like layer in how how those dollars come so a little unshapen but i like the thoughts more of layering rather than like layering across other games and other activities rather than trying to fight with arm one arm behind your back. as I mentioned before in a marketplace where people are, uh, you know, very cutthroat in the gaming world to like create your own platform or own location. I like looking like the plumbing across. All right. That's my idea. I can, I can shape it more if you get some, some pings on it.
1: So I'm I'm at the risk of losing this competition. Uh, I'm going to say I really, really like this idea. Uh, Esports is such a crazy thing that I don't I don't think people realize how big it is yet and how big it's it's gotten and, and, and the trajectory that it's on. I'm, I'm I know I'm I'm old at this point, I'm 41. So I'm just like I only heard you know, got into this like a year or two ago and I was like, wait, what is this? Like this is crazy. And I was, I was doing a little research before um, this call. And so fun fact for our listeners here: the Fortnite World Cup, if you win that, the prize for that is three million dollars. The prize for winning Wimbledon is two point four. It's like this is like it's massive, and it, it's grown exponentially. Yeah,
0: it's a billion dollar mark. It's projected to be a billion um, this year. Yeah,
1: which is crazy, and like that's it. Sort of feels to me like it it came out of nowhere, and it's it's you know it, by the end of you know twenty the twenty twenty it's like it's you know it may it could replace or at least be at the same level as like, you know, the four major actual sports. So it's, it's, it's huge. And I feel like it's in its infancy still though, even as it's growing. So if we can get in on the ground floor of doing something to build those partnerships, to promote nonprofits, to promote, you know, sponsorships and good causes, now there's a huge potential upside for that. So I'm curious to hear from you, George, like how you envision that, like, Actually, working from like an agency perspective, like how you would go about like creating the framework for it and how like like you as a, the agency owner or whatever, like what's what's the profit or what's the revenue model for that is sort of the middleman between connecting the causes uh, and these these players.
0: Yeah, Um and I also have to give a shout out to Tiltify. I kind of like I mentioned them broadly, but Tiltify was the the group we had on. We had their uh, CEO on a, on a podcast episode. So you want to like talk about this like gaming layer and how it actually works with people giving for various things you do in a game uh, that lets you DIY. But this is a lateral idea, right? So I would actually start this as an influencer agency, almost, uh, and maybe a listed marketplace. So you have to hunt down disparate information of uh, of major games and the opportunities. Sort of, I would say to sponsor those individuals, right? They have in-game ads and they're approached by like freaking Red Bull and whatnot. And so this is the, you know, the folks doing it for good. And I would try to come out very loud, frankly, and try to, to, to capture some, some main players, but also uh, in terms of the marketplace side, your job as that like agency would be to have the stable of new rising talent as well um, to then, have in your backyard to like shop through and say like all right let's matchmake like what are you interested in and so it's like you could actually go to the game and be like what is it that you care about because major gamers have a charitable component if you want to be like mike right if you want to be like dr lupo like this is what you have to be doing let us get what you're interested in and we'll matchmake for you so i would play the game actually from the influencer side get them on board and be like hey let us represent your charity side um it will look good it will get your press. it will get you know like Frankly, what's in it for me has to be there, and then it's easier to go to the nonprofits and be like, "Hey, would you like free freaking money to be sponsored by this? Your you know logo would appear, and and go that route. Um, ideally, over time, you would make money in that uh, in that exchange, but I would get a couple wins first.
1: Um, so you're thinking almost like a yeah, it sounds more like a traditional sports like talent agent, right? Where you can sort of recruit and handle this piece for the players yeah i I like that a lot i think there's it sort of feels like a win win with some of the players who are looking for more exposure they're looking to you know hone their own image and and being philanthropic you know it's just sort of a plus one for their credibility uh for their building their own brand right i mean these are you know we're sort of comparing these people to star athletes at this point in terms of the money that they're going to generate and whatnot and so your personal brand is going to be a big component some of these people are extremely famous now so having a philanthropic component that's based on specific issues and causes that they are interested in. um, Yeah, I think that works really well. I I like this. I think it also
0: played the the charity listing side, right? So uh, I was a former board chair of America's Charities, which does a lot of workplace giving. They're phenomenal. They also have rolled out a uh, an employee assistance fund program helping a lot of companies. Uh, but one of the things they do is they have a vetted list of charities that are part of the pool of people that they know they've gone through that are ready to sort of be a part of the workplace giving ecosystems that they then control and manage. So the other part of this is a sort of vetted list and then also preparing the assets necessary to to become this right because you don't realize when you get into it it's not just oh here's the logo and go to things like how do you talk about us what is the short snippet that shows up here what is the sort of co-branded graphic that would happen like there's a lot of nuance that happens there so you could create efficiencies by having hey here's how much it costs to come into the listing of this we're going to prep your organization to be picked up and by the way anybody can go shopping there so then you can also push it to the long tail of gamers being like hey we want to support somebody how do we quickly do it because guess what if you were a gamer getting going and like your game is like Clash of Clans and you're like, I don't know, I really care about animals, but like, am I really going to email World Animal Protection? Is that what I'm about to do? What does that look like? Because it's silly. People like, you're a who? And it's going to take them more time to manage that than they might even make. So the, the other game here is, list,
1: uh, uh, is running a listing plan. So what's your, what's your first step to get this off the ground?
0: All right, so we kicked around impact, viability. Uh, viability is like the listing money and in the exchange, I kind of kicked the can on that. Scale is quite high, I think, once you get the engine going on a two-sided marketplace, but it's risky on a two-sided marketplace. I would make my first match. Um, I would find um, I would find a couple rising influencers and like build a relationship being like, hey, I uh, love what you're doing, huge fan. Uh, we want to pair you with uh, you know a great cause and a nonprofit. Many of the big ones have it. And we think that being consistent with this narrative as to like how you play and your persona would match very well with, and I just make the first freaking match and I would just do it with hustle and email and a landing page I built on, on Squarespace that talked about it, right? I'm an SEO guy, I'd wanna have the inbound and, uh, and, and cover and probably a feed of news. So I pulled in an automatic feed probably of any gaming piece out there that was raising funds and like talking about how it worked and then have my own content being like, all right, how you know how do you think about it? How do you find it? And then like contact us, it'll be lead flow um, and, and generate that. So I would um, make some direct outreach to individuals, think have a high probability of being recruited into matchmaking, try to make those matches in addition to that landing page. And I think that could be done for under 10K pretty quickly. And if you knew how to do it all, it's like, it could all be sweat equity at that point.
1: I love it. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an eight on this. I think, I think this is something you should do. I don't have a freaking
0: time, man. It's on the cutting room floor. <laughs> what I said is it on the cutting room floor. It kills me. I'm like, someone should do this please. I will help you market it. Hey, here's the rule. If you do end up stealing and using one of these ideas, thank you. We wanted it to create in the world, right? The fact that you have an idea means that you have an idea. It's nothing. It's a thought in your head, but it's possible to exist because you have thought it. It already exists in this universe. I love that, but ideas are cheap. It's about the execution. If you can't build it, if you can't manage a team, if you can't think about your employees getting compensated, you don't have anything more than like two brain cells to rub together. It's not doing anything in the world. So one of the reasons, and I want to thank you, Jay, for sharing, uh, unselfishly and, and participating, even though you did lose. Um, I thank you, uh, for, thank you for playing. And, uh, I wonder if you have any final thoughts to people out there, social entrepreneurs, you know, kicking ideas and thinking around because you're a guy who's created a company that's been around for over a decade, if I'm correct, which is Rare Air.
1: Yeah. uh, Thank you for that. So yeah, we're, we're 14 and a half years right now. And the the number one thing I would say is that like, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, Oh man, I could never do what you do. And I'm like, yeah, you can. I have no, I have no formal business training. I was just a programmer that had, you know, the hubris maybe to think that I could do something different. And I've, you know, I've always had a lot of help along the way. Um, But it's, you know, it's entirely possible. There are a lot of great resources out there. The number one piece of advice I give to to, to all people um, is just you know a lot of business is about who you know, so making sure that you are connecting with people um, networking uh, I'm literally on this amazing podcast because I responded to something that George posted on LinkedIn I was like, that's amazing this is super cool I and mean, he invited me on to to talk about this you know there's the people that are in the social impact sector are like George are by and large wonderful, generous people that would be happy to talk to you, happy to give you any advice so make sure you're effectively using all of the, the networking uh, and connection tools that are available to you. Uh, reaching out to people and just trying to build your, your network, that's going to be huge uh, as, you, as you grow your career.
0: Great advice from an awesome business leader. Well done, Jay. Congratulations. And thank you for playing Two for Two.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I hope someone takes any or all of these ideas and, and runs with them. Uh, drop george and i uh, a note if you do we'd love to follow your progress
0: this has been using the whole whale podcast if you want to keep learning more about these topics and others head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us Thanks, as always, to GregThomasMusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe, and maybe even a comment, because we like hearing from you.